0: Think we're uh, up and running, aren't we? All right, we're going to jump in here, and uh, if you're watching on Facebook, we are glad you're here. And I will, as soon as I can, get into my stuff here. We'll get in it. Let's pray, Father. We thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and watch on our life. We glorify and magnify you in the beauty of your holiness. Oh, Father, you are so glorious. You are so grand. You are magnificent. And I thank you for our salvation. I thank you that you chose us when you could have chosen anything. You could have chosen to redeem the angels, but you didn't. You could have chosen to redeem anything else, but you chose us. And for that, we say thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, in Jesus' name, amen. Thought i better quit before I got carried away. <laughs> I, I am excited about this uh, series on covenant faith, or having covenant faith. Um, we're going to talk about some things today, and I actually have uh, a take-home guide for you. I don't think I will cover everything I want to cover tonight, uh, because there is a lot and if you're sitting at home guess what you don't get a take home guide uh, unless you go to our u version which should be up right now there is a link to this take home guide in our u version app so if you're feeling slighted you should have been here looking at you facebook um, <laughs> because it's always better here but you but I didn't I didn't want to leave you out so there is a link in our youtube in our u version app uh, for this message. Pastor Ted said something last week, and it's what really got me started thinking on this. Um, And I'm I'm going to actually quote him because, you know, when he says something quotable, you want to use it. (laughs) He said, if you just look at the Old Testament without the filter of salvation, nope, wrong, wrong quote. That's my quote. He said, everything in the word has to be filtered through the fact that you have salvation in Christ. Everything in the word, that means the Old Testament and the New Testament, needs to be filtered through the fact that you have salvation in Christ. He went on to say, if you can't filter every word from God through that helmet of salvation, you're going to bypass all of his promises. And, and that is so true that we have to remember because so many times people look at the Old Testament and they don't understand it because they're not looking at it through the eyes of a uh, through the filter I should say of of an of a New Testament work of a completed work uh, 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 of Jesus on the cross and there are so many believers today and, and let me tell you you are missing out if you are one of these people who don't think that they need the Old Testament. Well, we have Jesus, and Jesus did away with the Old Testament. No, He didn't. He fulfilled the law. He did not do away with the Old Covenant. Because all the blessings are still there. All the promises are still there. And we as believers, even us New Testament believers, we still need the Old Covenant. And, and I don't know where that idea came from, but here's the thing. You have to understand, tonight we're going to try to accomplish two things and probably take me the next two weeks. One, we want to understand what it means when we talk about covenants. What a covenant is. And then secondly, is how customs and rituals uh, that we still have today are taken straight from the covenants of the Bible. Yeah. That custom and rituals that we have... And I just want to add a little bit to what uh, Pastor Ted said. This is one of the things I wanted to make sure I read to you tonight. Is if you look at the Old Testament without the filter of salvation, it can appear as if God is a bloodthirsty tyrant. Come on. As he's a bloodthirsty tyrant just to be appeased so he doesn't wipe you out by his fierce anger. That's not God. But if you don't look at the Old Testament through the eyes of the completed, finished work of Christ, it definitely can't appear that way. And so what we want to understand is what was happening. See, we we talk a lot, and and somebody asked my wife uh, last week why we call Wednesday night deep dives. And I said, well, one, it's because we talked about diving deep for so much that one of our young adults came to us and said look you're talking about this being a college level class and which it is uh you talk about this go- about always diving deep he said why don't you just call it wednesday night deep dives and when you get your young people involved and engaged we said then that's why we call it that and so that's why is because when our young people get engaged and and, and involved and in they so we're like okay Let's do it, because guess what? It's like I told our board this week, we ain't going to be here forever. So let's get ready to keep it going. Folks, the Bible is a Bible full, is a book full of covenants. It's full of covenants, not just one covenant. There's all kinds of covenants that you'll see in the Bible. And the word testament actually means covenant. So what you have, when you hold that book in your hand or you have that digital copy, I know somebody likes paper, I like digital, it's okay. Uh, But when you hold that in your hand, you don't have testaments. What you have is an old covenant and a new covenant. The old covenant, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. The old covenant will never be done away with. The law was fulfilled. Jesus came to fulfill the law. The old You say, well, why can't the old covenant ever be done away with? Because the only way, and we're going to get into this a little bit more, the only way a covenant can end is if the one who enacts it dies. God enacted these covenants. He's not going to die. So not only does he give us an old covenant that still has blessings in it, but then he says, I'm going to give a new covenant based on even better promises. It doesn't mean that the promises of the old are bad, but I've got even better now that I'm going to give. So we get the benefits of having the benefits of the old and the better benefits of the new. God wasn't trying to... Listen, if God did away with the old, then he has to do away with the blessings of the old. But we know Galatians talk always, if you read Galatians and Hebrews especially, they tie you back so much into the old, there's a reason that they're there. (laughs) And so when we look at this, so what we have is an old covenant and a new covenant. One of the first things I want you to know before we define covenant is a covenant is always initiated by the stronger of the parties. Okay? It's by the stronger of the parties. And so when the stronger of the two parties get together, the one who has the most to offer sets the terms of the covenant. This is going to get really exciting here in a little bit. The one that has the most to offer sets the terms of the covenant. And the one who is weaker, he joins into the covenant for the protection and the benefit Of being connected to the stronger. So now when you think about you have a covenant, who's the stronger in the covenant that we have? It ain't me. It's God. He sets the terms and conditions of the covenant. I enter into the covenant with him so that I can be protected and I can reap the benefits of being tied into his covenant. His covenant. It's a his old covenant, and it's his new covenant. His old covenant was given to before the Israelites. See, we talk about, he well, he fulfilled. No, what he fulfilled was the law given to a, a group of people. Oh, goodness. The law was never even meant for you. It was never even meant for me. The law has nothing to do with us. We get so caught up on we have got to go by the law. The law was meant for a bunch of rebellious Israelites. It wasn't meant for uh, Cambridge, Ohioans. It wasn't meant for Buckeyes. It was for a rebellion. But what it was, what did Hebrews tell us? That they are set as an example. And so what God does is he bypasses the whole thing of the children of Israel and ties us Buckeyes, or wherever you're from, and ties us into the covenant he made with Abraham. Oh. Because that's where all of Israel was blessed out of. So he bypassed all that law and tied us. Oh, goodness gracious for my... hmm. Let's define covenant real quick. Covenant means to enter into a formal agreement to stipulate, to bind oneself by a contract. Who initiates the contract? The covenant, the stronger. In our case, it's God. So what God did is he actually bound himself. He bound himself to keep his word by formalizing it in a contract that you and I can carry around on our phone, on our tablets, in our pockets, in our hands. It's a formal contract that we can go to Him and say, Hey, just so you know, I have the contract. Oh my goodness. This is the contract between you and I. Oh. <laughs> Covenant also means... A writing containing the terms of agreement or contract between parties or the clause of agreement in a deed containing the covenant. It goes on to say that a con- it's a contract or an agreement between two parties. Now, oh, I love this. It is a treaty of allegiance and friendship. A covenant... Is an agreement, a treaty? Like two countries who are at war and they decide to have a peace treaty? That's what God did. He said, I'm going to give you a treaty, an old covenant and a new covenant, and it is a covenant of allegiance to one another to meet me to you. I had nothing to offer in this thing. The stronger initiates the contract, not the weaker vessel. He said, I am binding myself to you in a covenant, in a connection, in a contract of allegiance. That means he'll never leave you or forsake you, but go with you to the very end of the age. He said, I am going to bind myself to allegiance and friendship. See, it was a whole new story when Jesus came and said... The uh, uh, servants don't know what their masters do but I'm not calling you servants I'm calling you friends what's that? That's a, that's a reflection right back into the covenant when we look at some of these old covenants we have to understand what he is actually showing us is the covenant of our salvation and how it was fulfilled in Jesus And when we look at some of the things that people say are just blood and all this stuff, it's not really about blood. God's not bloodthirsty. It was never really about the blood. It was never really about all that stuff in the it was a shadow. We talk about shadows all the time. It was a shadow of what Jesus would be fulfilling. Ah, goodness. Through the plan of redemption. And so the first one is called the old covenant. And, and we, we, we named it an Old Testament. And the, ne- the next one is called a New Covenant. Folks, the thing about a covenant, especially what the Jewish people understood, and most other nations, especially tribal nations, understand is a covenant is sacred. And the only way to break a covenant is death. The only way you get out of it Is death. Oh, goodness. So what we're promising is to give our life, our love, our protection to the other party forever. So when God says, I'm going to give you a new covenant based on even better promise, he said, I am going to give my life, my love, my everything to you forever. Folks, we have traces of this all through our culture. We miss them that we don't, because we don't understand covenant. We don't understand what God was doing in a covenant. Why do you think when two people get married, part of the vows is, till death? This is how serious even marriage is. It's the only way we're supposed to get out of this thing is, you know. That's the only way we're supposed to get out. Now, does it happen? Yes, it happens. You know, is it, is it, is it sad? Yes, it's sad. Does it mean that God uh, looks at that as a forever sin? No. Okay? But that's the way it's supposed to be. That when we say that, it's till death. Did you know that even when, when the husband, a groom, and a, a, and a, and a wife actually partake of. Shh, mo- this is what This it angers me so bad. Everybody expected me to smash cake in D's face. They, knew, they just knew he's a joker, he's a clown, he'll do it. There's no way. Why would I want my bride to look bad on the happiest day of our lives? But do you know what that represents? It's the same thing as communion. When, when we cut the cake, if you go back and look, this is straight out of a covenant. I'm going to show it to you here in a little bit, hopefully if I get to it's I am giving you a part of me. This is why they always intertwine the arms. that They take a drink. We're saying we are so intertwined. I'm taking you into me and me into you. And we are entering into a covenant that we are going to be this way. I'm giving you all of me. My money, my life, my protection, my everything. And she's saying it back to me. We don't understand covenant. That's why people jump in and out of marriages so much okay the wedding band people used to believe that there was a vein and a nerve that ran from the ring finger the third finger directly to the heart and when rings were placed there they were a mind they were to be a reminder that we are part of each other's life force forever uh. I'll show you how this all bleeds into covenant here in a minute. The physical act of consummating a marriage. Way back, there was shedding of blood. That's an act of a covenant. I'm going to show you here in a minute. In a little bit, that is an act of covenant of blood. <laughs> yeah. All nations have practiced some form of blood covenant. If we look at, and I don't know if they actually did this, I can only go by what history says, or maybe it was movies, John, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, if you look at Native American. History, we always talked about blood brothers. That's a blood covenant. That's a covenant where they would cut and they would mix blood. It's exactly what would happen in the wedding night. It's all covenant. We are a covenant people based and living on covenants. And we are in covenant with God who gave us two covenants. That all have blessings that reside in them. And when we look at the, the blood covenant in the old covenant, we need to look at it through the eyes of the finished work of Christ. It wasn't God being bloodthirsty sacrificing his son. It was a fulfillment of what was happening in that blood covenant. And so when we look at it through the eyes of salvation, we see a shadow of salvation. It was a shadow that was laid out before. Go to Romans chapter 5 verse 6. Are you with me so far? We have to understand covenant. This is why we're doing this series, Pastor Ted. We have to understand covenant. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6, he said, for while we were still weak. Oh, this sounds like a covenant being played out, don't it? The weaker enters in. For the protection and the benefit, the stronger initiates the the, the covenant. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. See, the stronger initiated the covenant so that the weaker could come in. This is covenant played out in the New Testament. Ah, Indeed, rarely will anyone, verse seven, indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. This is the covenant being played out. While we were of no, I love the way the message translation says that verse. It says, while we were of no use to him whatsoever, Christ still died for us. What was he doing? He was setting up a covenant. He was making a promise to now not just Abraham, not just the Israelites, but now all of us Gentiles. He was setting up a covenant saying, I am making an allegiance to you. I am declaring my friendship with you. I will give you everything of me if you'll just give me everything of you. And you have nothing really to offer. But I have eternity to offer. I have heaven to offer. I have cattle on a thousand hills to offer. I've got everything. And you're no use to me, but I tell you what, we're still going to enter a covenant and I'm still going to bring you over here to where everything that I have is yours. We are a covenant people. Glory. Verse 9. Much more surely therefore since we have now been justified by his blood well I don't like this blood talk. Can't help it. It's there. And I'm justified by it. He said, much more surely now, since we've been justified by His blood, will we be saved through Him from the wrath of God. What? There's no wrath. There is, I am not afraid of the wrath of God. You know why? He said, I didn't have to be. Come on. It's ought, ought to make us run around and do circles and flip flops and cartwheels and everything else that we don't have to worry about the wrath of God. My goodness. Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, we will be saved by His life, not my life. Why do you think Ephesians tells us, for by grace have you been saved through faith? It is a gift, not of works. Because if it was of works, you could go around saying, I got myself saved. Well, if my works weren't good enough to get me there, my works aren't good enough to keep me there. So what keeps me there? This covenant that we've entered into. That can only be broken by death. Oh my goodness, folks. Oh, I get this. This is covenant. When we talk about it, we have to understand how God wrote this. What he understood as he wrote this to a, uh, an Eastern people. We try, we've, we've, we've perverted it with our Western ideology. All right, I'm going to move on from there. So what I want to talk about this week, maybe next week, Maybe the week after. I don't know. I'm on a roll right now. We'll see. <laughs> He's got stuff stored up. He can preach. We're going to talk about the blood covenant ritual that took place in the, in the Old Testament that people looked at it and they think God was bloodthirsty. He wasn't bloodthirsty. He was making a promise. Oh, has nothing to do with a bloodlust. It's a picture Of salvation. The blood covenant. Here's a book for you to read. That will list all of these nine. Now I've added to this. But all of these nine steps are listed. Out of a book. uh, Called the miracle of the scarlet thread. If you haven't read it. Do yourself a favor. Get it. Uh, And he has a second part to it too. But anyhow. Uh, I'll. Actually, in the take-home sheet that I'm giving you, it actually has it listed. and It'll give you the author's name. I can't remember his name right now. So the first thing in a blood covenant is they would remove or exchange their coat, their outer garments or their robes. And, 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 and so what would happen is I would take off my outer garment and give it to Pastor Ted and he would take out his and give it to me. But I initiated this covenant. Mine's a lot nicer and more expensive. Got to understand, we exchange some things. He gives me his old, dirty, stained, rotten, stinky thing. But I give him something that's fresh. (laughs) I give him something that's fresh and clean. And it has no spot. And it has no blemish and it smells like fresh linen Oh goodness, it looks just like righteousness. I give him my righteousnesses. Every attempt I tried to do right it's just a filthy rag. But I one day I handed it over to him and he said, Here, take my righteousness. You don't have to carry your righteousness anymore. Take mine. And so the first step when we enter into a blood covenant is we take off the thing that that is nasty, that's dirty, that's full of holes and we hand it to the, somebody else and then they give us something nice. It's an exchanging of each other. Remember, the robe represents the person. Go back and look at Joseph. Joseph had a coat of many colors. They knew who Joseph was. You know what they knew about him? They knew he is his daddy's favorite. You know, you're missing it. They knew he was his daddy's favorite. His brothers would see him coming and they didn't like it because they knew that dad saw something in him that he didn't see. But it wasn't dad's fault if they would have been at dad's feet the way Joseph was at dad's feet. ah, The robe represents the person. It says, I'm giving myself to you. This is the beginning of my contract to you. My identity... It's now yours and your identity see when Jesus <laughs> was implanted into a young teenage girls <laughs> uterus what was he doing he was taken on a coat he was taken on a cover So that God himself could now identify with man. And so now forever when they hear about Jesus, they have to know that Jesus identifies with me. And now when they look at me and I walk in his righteousness, all of heaven, hell, and earth knows that I now identify with God. Because the robe identifies the person. Oh my goodness. John chapter 1. My identity is now His and His identity is now mine. John chapter 1 verse 14 And the Word became flesh and lived among us and we have seen His glory the glory of a Father's only Son full of grace and truth. And the Word became flesh. Uh, Later on in the Scripture I believe it's in 1 John He tells us there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father the Word and the Spirit. The Word became flesh. Why? There had to be an exchanging of outer garment. There had to be an exchanging of an outer garment. Go to Galatians chapter Chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. It's never about this whole bloody mess. It's always been about salvation. It's always been about what God did for us. And in God's mind, the problem was he did it before the foundation of the world. We just didn't receive it. Ooh, a towel. Look at that. (laughs) Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. (laughs) Ha, 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 When we... We're baptized into Christ. Not just baptized into the water. That shows that's a representative of us being baptized into Christ. When we are baptized into Christ, now you are clothed with Christ. You see, this is just the covenant working out in front of us. He takes my sin-soaked rag. He took my flesh. He became flesh. And then when I was baptized into Him, I'm now clothed. There had to be an exchange. Hmm. Verse 28, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male or female. For all of you are one uh, in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are the Israelite seed. Nope. Because the Israelites had to hold on to the law. He said, you are Abraham's. Why? Because he wanted to make sure the covenant he made with Abraham would reach the entire world. So I'm not afraid of the old covenant. Because I know what God meant for me to have in it. (laughs) If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. And heirs according to the promise. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Since therefore... Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 14. Hebrews 2, 14. I love this verse. I don't know if we've ever really paid attention to it. He says, since therefore children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same. Since the children had to share flesh and blood... He said, guess what I have to do? I understand covenant. Come with me. He said, I understand covenant, so I have to do the same. Oh. So through death, he might destroy the power of death. That is the devil. It's never been about a blood lust. It was always about destruction of the enemy and bringing us into a new covenant verse 15 not only did he destroy he who has the power of death that is the devil and free those who all their lives were in slavery by the fear of death what he understood is the first step to any covenant there has to be an exchanging of outer garments so what did he do he took the first step and he took ours before we deserved it, when we had nothing to offer. And so that brings us up to step number two. Step number two is you take off the, your belt. Now you gotta remember, the belt didn't hold the pants up. The belt, anytime the word tells us, gird up your loins, it was an outer belt that was worn. And when they told you to gird up your loins, you take your, your long robe and you tuck it down in that belt and tie it around so you could run, and and so this. But th- that's not only thing this belt does. This belt also holds all your weapons. Everything that I could hurt you with, I'm taking off. Oh, ah. I'm giving you my strength. My sword is my strength. So I'm, 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 I'm taking it off and I'm handing it to you saying I'm not going to hurt you in this deal. So everything that I've got that could hurt you, do you realize God initiated this towards you? Everything that he had that he would want, could hurt me with, he said, here, I'll just lay it down. And every, what, what did I have that could hurt God. And what he was telling us here, he said, symbolically, I'm giving you my strength. I'm pledging to you my support. He said, this is my ability to fight. If someone attacks you, they attack me. I will fight and I will defend you. See, when he took off that belt that had their, their, their weapons attached to it, it was a promise that they would go to war for each other. Do you realize what salvation meant to you? Not only does it bring you allegiance with God, not only does it bring you into friendship with God, not only did He take all of our junk, but He says, now if somebody comes after you, they're coming after me. This is part of the covenant. My ability to fight. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 13. (laughs) <laughs> Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Why do you think that's in there? He's saying, I'm making my promise. You go ahead and take my weapons. It's armor of God. He's telling you to put on His armor. It's not just that we're taking the armor that God provided. No, it's His armor. Take up the armor the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on the evil day and having prevailed against everything to stand, stand firm. Stand therefore with your belt of truth. What truth? His truth. The greatest place the enemy will fight you is in the area of the truth of what you believe about God and what you believe about yourself. So he said, gird yourself. Take on the belt of truth. My truth. Remember, this is the armor of God. Believe about yourself what I believe about you. Understand what I know about you. Understand what I know about this covenant. I'll take your little measly weapon that you tried to fight me with, but I want you to take up my whole armor. Even the belt of truth. He said, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Lace up your sandals in the preparation for the gospel of peace. Man, I think we missed that. It's a gospel of peace, not a gospel of anger. Let that one sink in. Having your feet shod with the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith. Which will be, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword. If you got a belt, you've got to have the sword. Because that's where it connects. Of the spirit, which is the word. So the belt of truth holds the true word of God. That's where the truth comes from. Is the word of so God said, Here, whatever you think you can hurt me with when you lay it at my feet, but now I want you to take up my whole armor, and I will protect every part of your life, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is what this covenant is. This is what this covenant was built on. Go to Hebrews chapter four. See, that's what I want to show you. We talk about blood covenant all the time, and people have this weird feeling. It's just a picture of our salvation. It was a shadow of our new covenant. It was showing us what was to come. Uh, Hebrews 4, verse 12. Indeed, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword. Man, he gave you a powerful weapon, he gave you a weapon that is alive. I had lunch with Pastor Dave Dave today, and we talked about this. How sometimes, no matter how many times, all of us, we have, well, I know between those two and my years, we got way over 100 years of ministry in us. Um, (laughs) But we were talking today how when we look at the Word, it'll show us something we've never seen before. I've been doing this for 35 years. And I see things I've never seen before. Why? Because it's alive. And it's sharp. And it still cuts. And it still shows me the the soul of me. It still shows me the heart of me. And he says, take up the sword. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 22. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 22. Do not fear them. Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 22. We're going to go from the front to back tonight. So, <laughs> Do not fear them. For it is the Lord your God who fights. Doesn't say with you. Somebody, somebody in this place tonight needs to hear that. It doesn't say he fights with you. You say, why are you saying it that way? I'm telling you that so you'll quit fighting. He fights for you. <laughs> there are some battles he'll send you into. Sometimes you need to sit back and let him do the fighting. That's why you entered this covenant. That's the benefits of being part of this covenant. Is let the stronger fight for you. <laughs> oh, it's, it's exciting stuff, Pastor Dave. The third step. First, we'd exchange robes. Then we'd take off the belt. And the third step we do is we finally will cut a covenant. Now here's where the blood comes in. What we do with this covenant is we take the animal and we split it right down the middle. And we pull it to either side of us. And then we get in the middle of all this blood and we face each other. Now in the book... Uh, the miracle of the scarlet thread, he defines it like this. So we got this animal cut in half and then I'll walk around it and we're facing each other like Kathy and I are right now. She'll walk around it this way. I'll walk around it that way. So she steps toward me and and they call it a figure eight. And Holy Spirit said, if you turn that thing sideways... It's a what? It's an infinities. He's showing that this thing is forever. That this covenant. So they stand in the blood and they make a forever promise. And as they 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 as we so we're standing in the thing and we're, we're actually when we start out, we're back to back. And then we walk around our pieces until we're face to face. And then when we, so we end up being face to face. So we start back to back showing that we're at odds against each other. We walk around and take in the sacrifice and we end up face to face. And then we make a declaration to each other. We point at the sides and say, God do the same to us if I break this covenant with you. We're make a declaration that God should kill us if we break the covenant with each other. And we're standing in this blood <laughs> where we were back to back against each other. Now we're standing face to face, making a declaration. We've created, we said, for an infinity. You realize, God will never break his. This is why Jesus didn't do away with the old covenant. The old covenant still works. <laughs> it still exists. I still have nothing to offer. Woo. But now we're saying, God, do the same to us. It says, God, do, the sa- do so to me and more if I ever try to break this covenant. Split me down the middle, feed me to the vultures because I tried to break this most sacred pact. Now again, this is never a bloody... It's not meant to look at... We look at it, it's bloody, it's bloody, it's bloody. But not when you understand what God was doing. He's showing us a picture of salvation. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. This has always been about showing us a picture of salvation. We have learned to focus on what would be goriness of it. And miss the true meaning of it. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant. So that those who are called may receive the promise of what? Eternal inheritance. Eternal. and infinity. This is an eternal inheritance that you and I have. Because a death has occurred, that redeems them from the transgression under the first covenant. Folks, understand something. They did not kill Jesus. They killed the person that he was. But you can't kill the God that he was. Man completed this covenant. God was making a covenant with himself again. Uh, Because a death happened. Wrapped up in a skin. Trade it off into a coat. Oh my God. Because a death has occurred. What occurred? Well, the person of Jesus, that body of Jesus occurred. We know you can't kill God. He was God. We can't take that away from him. Come on. It's funny how we think we killed God. Because a death has occurred, that redeems them from the transgressions under the first covenant. So all the times they broke the first covenant, he didn't end it. He said, they're transgressions of the first covenant. Every time they went against me in the first covenant, he just redeemed them all. He just redeemed all of that. Glory to God. You, mm. That redeems them from the transgressions under the first covenant. Where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. <laughs> Verse 17. For a will takes effect only at death. <laughs> Since it's not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Hence not even... See, what's it? what did Jesus do? Jesus took on our skin. He took on our coat. He wasn't killing God. He was killing humanity. This was God wrapped in human flesh. He wasn't trying to kill God. He was killing that human flesh. Flesh. He became the incarnate man, and now that is broken because there was a death that was involved in that flesh. In ended into that eternal covenant with God, he transgressed, and in Jesus he ended that part. He redeemed all of that transgression. My God, folks. For a will takes effect only at death and since it's not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. See, humanity was still alive, but in Jesus. Remember, we have this all through the Word. In Him, we've all died. Woo! That's all through the Word. In Him, we've all been made alive. In Him, we've been buried. We were co-buried, co-crucified, co-resurrected with Christ. Why? Because a covenant had to be finished. Lord a God. Y'all okay? Verse 18. Hence, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 13. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 13. When God made a promise to Abraham... Now remember, we read back, where does our covenant take us back to? The blessings of Abraham. And when God made a covenant with Abraham, because he had no greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. We always get on our kids, it was a bad thing, I swear to God. Don't say that, shut up. Except there came a day when God looked around and said, I'm going to make man a promise. I've got nobody better to swear by. There's nobody bigger than me. There's nobody. So I'll swear by myself. I swear to God, I'll never leave you or forsake you. My fight, your fight is my fight. Your sin will be my sin and I'll take care of sin. And everything that comes against you will come against me. You can lay it all before me and my promise that I can hurt you with, I will lay it down. And everything, we'll make a great exchange. It was always about salvation. And when he could swear by none greater he swore by himself saying surely now remember we have the blessings of Abraham what we already read right? So what is the blessing of Abraham says? Surely I will bless you. He said I swear to God I'll bless you. I swear to God I'm going to multiply you. And when the cross was finished And we're all put over here. He still says, I swear by myself, I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I'll, you have nothing to offer me. That's okay. This cause I initiated this covenant. I started this. Hmm. And thus Abraham, verse 15, having patiently, that's my problem right there. And thus Abraham, having patiently endured. But look what he did there, Pastor Dave. He obtained the promise. Because once the promise is made, a promise must be fulfilled. I think I got time for one more. I knew I wasn't going to get through it. So we exchange robes, our identities. We take off everything that could hurt And we lay it at each other's feet. And with that, we promise your battles are now my battles. And when they fight you, they're fighting me. (laughs) So we lay that down. And then we cut this covenant. Something had to die. That's all the cross was, it's a fulfillment of the covenant. Something died, flesh died. All the transgressions died. Sin died. The very thing that brought sin into the earth took sin out. What do you mean? Man brought sin in with his choice. So man took it out through Jesus. He became that. The next thing we do is we mix blood, we raise our right arm. we make a deep cut sometimes in the palm sometimes in the forearm and then we clasp it together you see this blood brothers and we clasp it together and as we stand there with our bloods mixing we know that our lives are now intermingling the life of the flesh is where in the blood that's what the old covenant tells us So we we stood there, and as they held hands, or they rubbed their clasped their arms together, they knew that their lives were intermingling. What were they doing? They were becoming one. They were becoming one. We're putting off our old nature. See, man didn't give birth to Jesus. But he was still connected to the blood of man through the mother. There's been an intermingling of blood. He became just like we became one. Ooh. And so now we're putting off our, our old nature and we're becoming a new, part of a new nature with our covenant partner. Our two, the two are becoming One. Luke chapter twenty two verse twenty. Oh, we got time. I may get to another one. Luke chapter twenty two verse twenty. Luke twenty two twenty. And he did the same with the cup after supper. We do this every week, hopefully. This is why communion is so important. People say, well, I believe communion should be sacred and only done every so often. You ought to do it every day. You ought to remind yourself that you're in covenant every day. (laughs) It is sacred, the most sacred thing you can do. It's a reminder of what it is. What did Jesus say? This is my blood. It's so sacred we only need it every so often. No, it's so good. I want it every day. I want it every minute of the day. Mm. He said, this is the cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so when we take it, we were reminding ourselves that we have been intermingled with God. He took our blood connected through a woman and we take him connected to a cross. And we're reminded every week, every however often you do it, that we are taking him into us. At just as he took us into him. We exchange robes, we exchange belts, (laughs) we do all of these things. We cut the covenant, we mix our blood. You know what they would do next? Does anybody remember who Abram was? Well, who was Abram? So what happened? There's a, in, a, in a blood covenant, there's an exchanging of names. He became man so that I could become so much more. He changed my name. He, see, it's not Christian. I'm not known by Christian. I'm known by a son of God. I became him. He became me. We interchanged. We exchanged names. So while our blood is standing there and it's intermingling with each other, I take your last name as part of mine and you take mine. We still see this in marriage. We still see that this is all a shadow. It's all through our cultures. I take your last name as part of mine. You take mine as part of yours. Dee's last name was Bell. She married a belcher. Do you know how many years she wrote B-E-L-L-C-H-E-R? <laughs> Go to Isaiah chapter 5. I know, not Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah 56.5. Sorry. Isaiah 56.5 look what he says here as a prophecy I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than the sons and daughters oh, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off we call him Jesus. We know that wasn't his real name. Yeshua. Yeshua. Take you, you, you can figure it out where his name really was. We have that name. It's the name of God. The name of the God of the universe is your new name. And it will never be cut off. Go to Revelation. Told you we're going to go front to back here. Revelation chapter three, verse 12. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. If you conquer, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. You will never go out of it. I will write you the name of my God. I will write on you. I will write on you the name of my. This is Jesus talking. I will write on you the name of my God, the New Jerusalem that comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. You all good? Because I'm not done. We take. We exchange robes. We, 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 we take off our, our weapons. We cut our covenant. We mix our blood. We're called by a brand new name. And then lastly, not lastly, there's three more. But the next thing in our step is we make a scar. Something that can always be seen and remembered. That this covenant is Forever a scar will last as long as you live. So what they would do, they would rub their palms together or whatever areas that they cut and they would rub it so hard that it will leave a scar and if that didn't work, they'd rub even some dirt in it because it had to scar and this is a permanent reminder of this relationship that if anyone tries to harm the other, all we have to do is show them the scar and they'll know that they're not only messing with me. Has anybody ever heard of Sir Henry Livingston? How about about this? Or Sir Henry Stanley, I should say. You've heard Dr. Livingston, I presume? Well, it was Henry Stanley that said that. Livingston had gone missing in Africa. And Stanley set out to find him. And when he set out to find him, along his travels, he came in contact with this tribal king. And... His interpreter told him, said, you're going to have to cut a covenant. Well, Stanley, not being from a people who understands covenants, said, well, what does that mean? He's going to have to make a cut. And he says, and there's not only a cut, but there has to be an exchange take place. He said, well, what's he want? He said, he wants your goat. Here's the thing about Stanley, he had stomach problems and needed that goat for its milk. He needed its milk. So reluctantly, he said, listen, you'll not get out of here alive if you don't do this. So reluctantly, he made this covenant. They made the scar. He traded him and he gave him a goat. And he gave him a spear that looked like a scepter wrapped in copper. He's like, I came out on the short end of this deal. What he didn't know was he had made a covenant with the most powerful tribal leader in Africa. And everywhere he went, when his company got surrounded, and he would hold that scepter up, and they would see the scepter and the scar, and they recognized where it came from, all the other tribes would bow down. All because they knew who he was in covenant with. They knew who he had tied himself to. They said before Stanley got over there, it said that he cut 50 covenants with tribal leaders. Can you imagine? At that point, he would have been the most powerful person in Africa. Because when they saw his arm, they knew when they saw the scars, they weren't just messing with this pale white guy. They knew that there was more power behind him. Go to Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. You know, we still see this today. Every time you shake hands with somebody, it's a remainder of this covenant. We just don't have blood involved. It's the same thing. That's why you hear older guys... Like Pastor Dave and Ted. <laughs> Talk about how, how you used to be able to make a deal just with a handshake. Because people understood a little bit more of what this was. That's where it come from. Isaiah 49, verse 14. But Zion, that's the church, in case you're wondering prophetically. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. Yep, that sounds like us. My Lord has forgotten me. Look at verse 15 though. Isaiah 49 verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these might forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you. King James Version says, I have engraven you on the palm of of my hand it all points to the cross it all pointed this was all a shadow of salvation he said I have engraven thee I have have inscribed you on the palms of my hand your walls are continually before me Colossians chapter 2 well I don't have a scar yes you do Colossians chapter 2, I want to show you your scar. See, there had to be, they had to scar both ways, D. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. Colossians 2, verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision. Your spirit was circumcised. Why? Because a scar had to be left somewhere. And he loves you too much to, pretty, to mess your pretty self up with an outer scar. He said, you have been circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by the removal of the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. In him, his circumcision even, as a baby... Mankind had to do it. A flesh body had to do it. In his circumcision was the circumcision of my spirit. And people wonder why this is called deep dive. Because the words there. Go to Romans chapter two. Y'all care? I'm just, Y'all care? Can y'all sit for longer? All right. Good. Cause I ain't done. If I felt led to be finished, I'd be finished. Y'all don't never hear me preach this long. Romans chapter two, <laughs> Romans two verse twenty-eight. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor uh, is circumcision something external or physical. Wait a minute, circumcision is not external or physical. Look at verse twenty-nine. Rather, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit not the written code such a person receives praise not from humans but from God you have scars he made sure he scarred you he let Jesus do it in the flesh so he could circumcise your spirit the next step that we would do besides after making a scar, is now we set covenant terms. Now, here's the rules of the covenant. And we declare this as a contract that binds each other. We're in covenant. And when we're in covenant, everything. All my liabilities and all my assets are yours. All your liabilities and all your assets are mine. Now think about this when we came into salvation. While we were of no use to him. While I was sinning. I had nothing but liability. I had nothing but liability. He had nothing but assets. And he still made that trade. He still made that trade. Glory to God. That's always been about salvation. He was still willing to make that trade, Pastor Ted. So what am I saying? All my assets are yours. All my money's yours. All my property's yours. All my possessions are yours. If you need any of them, you don't even have to ask. Just come and get it. You know what else he said in those covenants? All my children, if I die, all my children become yours by adoption. Do you see why Jesus had to take a flesh? That's why He's the firstborn among many brethren. That's why we are called children of God. We became His by adoption because the covenant was completed by the death of the man Jesus. Go to Romans (laughs) chapter 8. It's always been about this great salvation. We we focused on blood too much. God's a tyrant. God's mean. No, He was always painting a picture. He was showing you what's coming. This is what's coming. This is what it will do for you. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba. It always been about a covenant even those verses, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And it is the very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. In fact, if we in fact suffer with Him, well, we did suffer with Him on the cross. Come on. We are crucified with Christ. Is that not what the scriptures tell us? We've already done the suffering through Him. <laughs> so that we, we may be glorified with Him. Philippians 4 verse 19. You all probably can quote this one easy. My God shall supply all my needs. This is a covenant. This is a promise. I had nothing to bring. And this is the promise He makes to me. This is the trade-off of salvation. I have nothing to bring. But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory. This is a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good deal. I'll take it. So after we would set the terms of our covenant, the next thing we would do is have a memorial meal. We still do it. We call it communion. It's a it, it's all it is is a remembrance is a remembrance of this covenant meal. We have a memorial meal. And it it symbolizes I'm taking you into me and and you're taking me into you. Go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. That they may all be one. John chapter 17 verse 21. John chapter 17 verse 21. That they may all be one as you Father are in me And I and you, may they also be one in us. In this covenant meal we're representing that we are completely soaked into God and He is completely soaked into us. Jesus is in the Father and the Father's in Jesus. And they're all in me. You don't just get Jesus. You get the whole Trinity of God. (laughs) <laughs> let that one sink in that the world will believe that you have sent me verse 21 I have given them the glory which you gave me I have given them the glory which you have gave me that they may be one even as we are one verse 23 and in the, I in them and you in me so where does that put both of them? in me i in them and you and me you're filled with the trinity of god you're not just a habitation of just holy spirit you're not just a habitation of just jesus you are the house don't you know that your body is a temple (laughs) that they may be perfect in unity And that the world may know that you have sent me and I have loved them as you have loved me. And lastly, our last step in this blood covenant. See, I didn't go over too far. Our last step in this blood covenant is we plant a memorial. (laughs) There was a memorial planted on a hill so many years ago. And what they do with this memorial when they planted it they took the blood of that animal that was sacrificed and they sprinkled it on the plant. And then this blood sprinkled tree alongside the scar will ever be a reminder that we have entered into a covenant that cannot be broken with God Himself, and only from this point on would they call each other friends. It was only everything else they could have stopped, but until when they planted a tree and it was sprinkled with blood, from that point on, they were called friends. And all of our children were included in this covenant. If they chose to continue it. They could walk out of the covenant if they want to. We have a tree that was planted, sprinkled with the blood of a sacrifice, and from that point on we are called friends of God. Second Corinthians chapter five. Verse eighteen. You all know this one I quote it all the time. Just quoted it Sunday, I think. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. All this is from God. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. You know what reconciled means? We're friends now. Through Christ. And has given us the ministry of telling everybody else they're friends with God too if they'll just accept it. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. There was a memorial planted. And now because of the scars on his hands and the scars in our heart, in our spirit, we are forever reminded that we are friends with God a couple more scriptures go to colossians chapter 1 just so you, just to bring out again that Jesus was absolutely full god for in him, colossians chapter 1 verse 19 for in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. Verse 20. And through Him, God was pleased to reconcile to Himself all things. And through Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile to Himself all things. Whether on earth or in heaven. By making peace through the blood of His cross. The memorial's already been planted. Last one, you ready? We made it. Colossians chapter 2. Flip over a page. Verse 13. And when you were dead... In your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Him. When He forgave us all our trespasses erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands he set this aside nailing it to the cross it's always been about salvation a blood covenant it's not about gore and all this stuff it's a picture of salvation amen let's pray God. Hey. oh. Oh, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for such a great salvation that we enjoy. We thank you that it is a covenant that cannot be broken, and there is nothing the enemy can do to destroy it. We thank you that we will forever enjoy the benefits of being in covenant with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sunday morning, 10 a.m., we're going to hit the ground running. Hope you're here. Love you. Appreciate you. If you're watching on Facebook, sorry we went a little long, and uh no, I'm not. I'm really not. Not at all. <laughs> hey, love you guys. We'll talk to you soon.